What's up, everybody? This is Ryan Staley, and you are listening to the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom Podcast, where we share with you the underground ninja skills and tactics that the top sales and marketing leaders are using to create financial and lifestyle freedom. And the question that everybody is asking is, how do I create financial and lifestyle freedom for me? That is the question, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody. This is Ryan Staley with the Sales and Marketing Build Freedom Show. I have a very, very special guest today. I have Dalis Wilson, or DW, is also affectionately known as. He is a four-time VP of sales, helps companies grow from zero to 20 million in ARR. In addition, he's the VP of growth at GetAccept. And this guy has had some amazing adventures in his life that we're going to dig into as well as his ninja skills. So, I mean, he's involved with a lot of different groups, communities, is a writer for HubSpot. Um, in addition, he's been involved in the Sales Enablement, yeah, Sales Enablement Society on the Leadership Committee, and also the member and chair of the HubSpot CRM group for Pavilion. Dalis, DW, welcome, man. Happy to have you on. Ryan, thank you for that intro. I need you to get uh, you to do it every time. Thanks, man. I try to hit all the high notes, like, but I'm sure I missed some amazing things that you've done. So, so in order for me to do it justice, why don't you give everybody your superhero origin story? Well, I'm not sure if there's some kryptonite involved or not, but uh, back <laughs> in back in the day, I was raised in. Uh, uh, an environment where sales was all that I knew. Uh, every day in the car, my dad was a vice president for Hewlett Packard. Uh, so, I'd be listening to those calls and him telling me, DW, don't do what I did. Don't get into sales. But father like son and I really enjoyed the profession and I actually uh, dreamed of working in the equivalent of Best Buy. It's called Harvey Norman here in Australia and uh I, I walked in there and I, I was 16, 17 years old without any experience and I said, uh, look, hire me on the spot. Um, I'll work commission only and after a week, if I'm doing a good job, uh, give me one. And uh, within two or three months, they'd asked me to tour nationally to teach everyone how to sell. So, it was a bit of a, a strange calling but I'm so glad to be here with you today and with the listeners. That's pretty cool, man. That's it. So I'm sure you've learned a lot from osmosis from your dad, like hearing your dad's calls. So, so walk us through what happened after that. Like, how did you get into sales? You know, it, it looks like you kind of what I mentioned in the intro, you've done some amazing things, four time, you know, VP of sales. And I mean, I'm not even scratching the surface of some other things you've done. So why don't you just kind of bring us up to current and give us everyone a little bit of more backdrop about you? Yeah. So I found sales was. Uh, attractive because it's a meritocracy. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. As long as you can deliver, you can be quickly promoted and you also can get that uh, cold hard cash which helps as a young poor university student. Uh, So, I was attracted one day to a job that said uh, sell some property over the phone and uh, then after doing that for a while and mastering the cold call, uh, they noticed late at night that I was sitting back doing some uh, computer coding. And again, thanks to my dad, he was one of the first uh, coder brigade, I guess you could say. So, he trained me up in to do some uh, coding from a young age. And uh, I built out the CRM for that company I was working at. 
and uh, quickly became the person uh, that they looked to for advice in, in management versus actually doing it myself. But uh, I'm not sure what the listeners think, but I also really enjoy getting on the phone and talking with customers and no matter what stage I've gone through in my leadership journey, that's something I still do today and I get accept the company I'm at now. I'm super proud that all, all of us on the executive team have at least 5 to 10% quota. Uh, so, it doesn't matter if you're a VP of product or a VP of finance uh, or a VP of sales, you're meant to sell a little bit which I think is uh, a great ethos for success. That's pretty cool, man. I mean, I love the fact that you're just like, yeah, you know, my, my dad taught me coding, so I just built a CRM system when I was younger, and <laughs> that's really cool. But if it was any good, off, you walk. yeah, if it was any good, Ryan, I'd probably be um, retired by now, right? But yeah, it was super fun. I remember him saying, you know, you've got to listen to me here because if you do, you know, you'll be so wealthy. This is where the future of the world's going. And I used to laugh. I'd say. Dad, I don't want to be making these games. I, I want to be outside playing them with other kids. Uh, but yeah, it, it went full circle and it was amazing to go through my career with that understanding of tech without really needing to think about it too hard. And I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, that's that's cool, man. It's, it sounds like there's a very natural progression from one phase to the other. So, so let's talk a little bit deeper about about just kind of your your journey because I know you were a vice president of sales multiple times, you know, and you're VP of growth and marketing right now, previously vice president of sales, correct? Focus yeah. on GetAccept. So, at GetAccept, I spent most of my early days helping us scale out our sales team. But it gets to a point where uh, you can also pick a few battles. And in my opinion, sales marketing and growth, they're all so connected because in the end, my belief is that if marketing works the first time, then it results in a sale. So, imagine you've seen an ad and it's so captivating and you click it and convert. That effectively is a digital direct sale from that first marketing attempt. So, my pursuit has been to master all of these crafts together and especially now where we're going with freemium products, uh, also diving mm -hmm. into product design and product optimization is, is something I've been doing. So, for again, the listeners, we talk about sales and we're on a sales podcast, which is extremely important. But every string that you have in your bow is another weapon and another area of respect for people internally. So, I think it's important to branch out and make sure that you're well-rounded as professionals. I love that, man. Because I, I, I totally realize and agree with you on that. I was actually on a call with Sam Jacobs earlier today. He's a CEO of Pavilion and founder. And, and one of the things that he pointed out was just, he's like, hey, step one, create a really good product. Step two, marketing needs to get meetings. Step three, sales needs to execute on those meetings. Now, obviously... I'm massively condensing what he talked about. However, um, I've never really heard it framed up that way, that simply. So I love that. Uh, however, you know, one of the things I want to ask you is since you have that diversity of experience, and I know one of the things is, you know, you primarily focus on growing companies from zero to 20 million ARR. What's your ninja skill in doing that? 
It's tough. I think uh, I'd like to say there's a few ninja uh, skills and a few nunchucks in there as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you got more than one. But what's your top three that you think you're you're absolutely amazing at? And then we'll we'll dig deeper to provide value to. Sorry about that. Apparently something's going on, on my phone. Um. Anyways, we'll dig deeper into that. So let's take point one is automizing human processes. So. If you ever are in your sales job every day and you think, oh no, this is the 80th time I've clicked this person on LinkedIn, look at their education, opened up a sales sequencing tool, pasted a, a line in about that, right? One day that mm-hmm. task and probably what you're doing will be replaced by machines. So, a better way to work right now is to think about how can I replace that step in my day-to-day workflow with machines and technical thinking. So, that would be number one. There's normally a way to make yourself work 10 to 20 times faster and the teams that I built, uh, you don't need to look at software in the market. You can also build things internally to make those things uh, a lot smoother. The second thing is mastering content and copy. And again, we think that this is a marketing skill, but there's a difference between writing marketing copy and sales copy. And I wanted to take that a step further. And Ryan, you're a master of connecting with people and adding value. And this podcast is a great way to do it. But back in the day, there wasn't really anything like this. It was mainly guest blogging was probably a unique way to meet new people and invite them to come onto your website. So, from a young age, I did this myself through various vehicles and thank you for mentioning some of my writing but I also encouraged my sales team to write once a month and to to share that content with the people that they're trying to sell to because you seem so much cre- more credible when you do that and you're a subject matter expert authentically, not just talking about your product or service. The third one, I think which hopefully is a ninja skill, is always, again, I talked about the bow, but you need to be continually improving. And if you uh, move across to, say, the self-improvement area of the world uh, where you listen to, you know, the Tony Robbins style of people, it's very important to invest back potentially 2 to 8% of your yearly earnings in upskilling yourself. So, that's something I still do today and I also, for every rep that I hire, I provide a budget for them to do the same and I quiz them on what are they learning that month that was different to the month before because monotony is your enemy uh, to to self-development and and self-improvement. I love that, man. Uh, I think we're we're personal development brothers (laughs) because I love continuous learning and growth and I think it's pretty cool that you designate uh, a certain percentage of budget for that. I think that's awesome. And that's that's a massive shortcoming that I see a lot of companies not doing. So let, I want to break down each one of these, man. Can we, can we do that? Does oh, that cool. sound good? Whatever you'd like to do, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, DW. Let's start with one, man. Let's let's Okay, automation. And I think that's cool about what you're talking about and that's something that you focus on. So how do you do that? What's the mental framework? If you are a founder, let's say you're a founder, you're at a million, uh, not even an AR, just a million in total revenue, or even a sales leader, um, or even a sales executive, right? But, but let's look at this more from a leadership perspective so that you can have massive impact. 
how would you approach it from a mental framework perspective? If you're like, okay, I want to optimize this company. How would you look at it? What steps would you take? What order? And then like, what do you need to believe to do that? Yeah, so we, we can assume what, what we need to do or we can use third-party proof points. So, for instance, if we watch uh, a leading-edge uh, SaaS uh, uh, video or we listen to a great podcast like this, uh, the most efficacious method in my mind is to get inside your own business before making a decision. And this may mm-hmm. seem a bit mundane, but ask how many leaders have sat down and spent time in the sales pod from 9 to 5 p.m. completely just listening to calls and seeing what they do. So, my advice would be if you were a founder, a sales leader or even a salesperson, think about exactly what is done between 9 to 5 p.m. And you'll see that there may be a lot of seeing, uh, sitting around, a lot of uh, contact research, uh, also a lot of calls that don't have any introductory efforts, any research and then the follow-up process doesn't exist. It's simply call to call to call and when the rep goes home, we hope that uh, they follow up all those meetings punctually, right? So, within what I've just said, we're, our minds are probably jogging and there's probably 10 different ways to optimize that journey, right? So, once we analyze all those critical steps, it's about partnering with those individual contributors and partnering with the leadership in the business to smooth out those kinks and make sure that we can automate as much as possible. I'd also say that uh, within that, we can automate and personalize at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive and that's why uh, companies like Outreach and Salesloft have achieved the success they have because they automate to an extent but then allow you to personalize uh, prior to pressing the send button. So, don't think about full-scale uh, automization. Just think about automizing to a point that you can then personalize. Excellent. That's cool. I love the, I love the simplicity in that. Hello, and I appreciate you listening to the show today. I love my listeners and I love helping my customers. One of the things that I've been able to do with some of the customers that I've been working with is, for example, a $6 million SaaS company, help them implement a seven-figure sales system in which they got a one-and-a-half-month ROI on the entire engagement fee that I offered them by one person spending 25% of their time. And this person wasn't even in sales. So these are core principles that help me scale from zero to $30 million in annual recurring revenue with only four people. In addition, another client that I'm working with was able to 10x their licensing fee, their SaaS licensing fee. um, And they are really, really just on the early side of starting. So if you're interested in learning more, apply through www.scalerevenue.io forward slash apply, www.scalerevenue.io forward slash apply. Look forward to seeing your application. If you are interested in qualify, you'll receive a follow-up note and we can jump on the phone and identify what the opportunity is exactly for you and your organization. So, like, What's the best thing that had the biggest impact that you've automated before? Yeah, so I think uh, prospecting is is a good one if you can get it right. And and uh, for me, once you you mentioned, imagine I'm a leader at a, around a million ARR or somewhere around there, right? So in that case, you generally have your product market fit almost ironed out. There's 
a play that seems to be working or a particular industry or type of customer that you're selling to successfully. So, in that case, you, mm-hmm. you want to use that as a blueprint and think about in that market, that, that persona or that industry, they're generally thinking about three to five things that keep them up all the time. So, for instance, as a sales leader myself, one of those major things is I never want to see sales reps that I hire leave the company. To me, that's a, a mark of failure unless they've succeeded for a couple of years and I want to promote them finding new opportunities. The second thing in that that I, I worry about as a sales leader are you know, ramp time. If I do hire them, how long does it take for them to become productive, right? So, Many, if you think about all the messaging we get and we'll focus on that sales area right now, it's always focusing on what that product does, right? And what features they're trying to sell. But instead, if the messaging and the marketing and the sales content is around my pain points and then in the future, we infuse that value prop a bit later in the journey, that's a much more natural and organic way to consume a sales or marketing message. So, I think we need to think about that a little bit more about making our approach more palatable and talking to those individuals about the problems that they have, not necessarily the problem that we want them to have that we can solve. Awesome. All right. So, that's one. Let's let's do the second one. Let's talk about copywriting because I see um, a lot of salespeople struggle with this because copywriting is very different than messaging. So, how would you how would you how do you help folks on your team be really good at, at copy? Yeah, and this is interesting, right? Because it it goes back to our English literature days at, at, at high school or even before that. People think like oh, I'm not a good writer, so I'm not going to try anymore, but I think 95% of people can be upskilled to a B+ writer quite quickly and writing is formulaic you know it's funny I a lot of people I encounter go I wasn't a maths person at school I was more someone who used to enjoy creative writing but writing is a formula look at every movie that you watch it has uh, Star Wars for instance has Joseph Campbell's uh, Hero's Journey right where it goes through yeah several stages that are predictable and then every movie since with some hero progression follows the exact same structure. So, with your sales writing, if we take a prospecting email, for example, it can help to uh, infuse a structure over time and then as you become more comfortable to deviate from that structure. But even if you're writing a blog article, uh, that ADA framework is the most simple one I can think of. And uh, there's a reason that the LinkedIn uh, influencers, so to speak, rank the same way time after time after time because you read their posts and they're all tapping those similar formulas. So, yeah, I'd I'd play around with that um, attention, interest, desire, action, even in uh, posts like interviews that you might publish uh, or if you reach out to someone with a survey and aggregate those results, you still need to produce that content with the same level of professionalism. Excellent, man. I love that. Heroes 2 Journey, Joseph Campbell. Uh, great stuff there too in terms of storytelling. So, if anybody 
What's what's his book? I'm trying to remember what his book is that breaks it down. Do you remember? Oh, it's a long time. I wish I knew. That's when you get the extra marks, isn't it, Ryan? Where where you know the answer to those? Uh, what would we say in the North America? Probably Jeopardy questions. Uh, but but I am proud of myself. After six years in Silicon Valley, I get more uh, Jeopardy questions right than wrong these days. So. Uh, that that's impressive. There's a lot of American knowledge that's diff- <laughs> difficult. That's all right, man. It's it's hard to remember everything, but uh, that's uh, you know that's that's talked about a lot of marketing and storytelling. I've been going deep on that. There's uh, picture parable principle. There's um, heroes two journeys. There's polarity infusing polarity, but not being crazy. So there's a lot of new writing styles, and and so I, I think that's a great call out. Let's hit on the last one with the um, personal development piece. Uh, what's the outcome you've seen by giving your team or people that you've managed in your org space to do that and even supporting them? What kind of outcomes have you seen? Because I've seen some pretty good outcomes myself, but I'll shut up because I want to hear what you've seen from it. I mean, the best, th- there's so many fun stories. My One, one that comes to mind is uh, say... Uh, I don't know, you mentioned Sam Jacobs, but uh, Scott Barker, for instance, who's a good uh, sales leader. I remember being uh, same age, uh, both kind of in uh, mid-level management roles, but he really focused just on telling the right sales stories and finding the right salespeople. And now Scott's in a very good position. Uh, Another person I think about is our CFO, Rasmus. And Rasmus started with us maybe five years ago as an intern, uh, young, uh, hungry, just an analyst. And he loved SaaS so much and uh, was so invested in the whole area that he went away, had amazing success at a VC firm. And he was helping us on the side so much that we just needed to have him back. So, now... Uh, he he's my boss technically after being our analyst and I just find it an amazing transformation and something that you want to see the best thing for a leader is to see your your own people become better than you and if they can eventually manage you I mean what better relationship is that that you taught them a lot of the things that that they know so there's always going to be that mutual respect uh one other thing I'd say, Ryan, is I love uh, a bit of the pop culture stuff. So, I was I was listening to uh, McGregor once and I know he's done a few things that aren't so amazing lately but he was saying that, um, with, that with that one move, I doubled my net worth and um, I'm thinking every 12 <laughs> months, is there a way that you can double your net worth or can you double your knowledge? And yeah, even, even still in in this last 18 months where we've had so many difficulties across the world, I'm pleased that I could double the net worth, I guess. And that comes from knowledge outside the day-to-day. You know, if you're only earning money nine to five, then there's a huge problem. So, you need to be making sure you have uh, diversified your strategy and, and have several streams of income. Love that, man. So, what's your number one go-to resource for that? Uh, for is there someone, is there an author you like? Is there a thought leader, someone that you gravitate towards when it comes to developing yourself? Yeah, I, I 
couldn't I think the easiest way is when you meet someone respect who you respect asking them who influenced you or who and asking them that same question and through that way I've been able to build up a very uh small network of people that I highly trust uh in terms of po- podcasts or actual things that I listen to regularly uh it isn't actually actually too frequent I'm in the trenches doing my own things a lot of the time but I love uh when I go for long long runs uh I I put on Lewis Howes because at the time um that was the only podcast on on my phone it had all the, all this stuff on my phone so I couldn't fit anything else on there at the time <laughs> and um then that stuck with me every time I put on an episode he gets some good really good guests like Novak Djokovic right where you can listen for an hour or two and really figure out what makes champions tick and to me that kind of knowledge is priceless i also think masterclass is super clever in the way that they've made access to that info and insights mainstream but i tend to find myself on the gordon ramsay videos too much than the the educational <laughs> for you i guess what's the number one tip you would give for someone trying to grow from 0 to 20 million yeah, the the number one tip is you need to find if you think about your leads, right? If you have more than fifty percent of your leads coming from outbound, it's always going to be tough to grow because that's dependent on salespeople that are really, really winning. Uh, my number one tip is as much as possible try and take the pressure off sales and put them on to closing. So I'd say. Uh, I, I like the 80-20 rule if 80% is coming from inbound and 20% of the really big deals that you're hunting specifically come from outbound, uh, that that's a rule to, to live by and to scale by because no matter if people come or go, you'll always have demand that uh, you can service. And so, yeah, as as fast as possible, 0 to 20 million try and get that uh, 80-20 and if it's 100-0, then you're printing money like the unicorns do. Okay, so how do you do that then? How do you get 80-20 inbound versus outbound? I'd love to hear if you got like a three-step framework or anything that, that you've seen work really well. The, the num- A lot of people struggle with that. Yeah, and you'll struggle with it early but at the same time, then if you're size of your business is smaller, right? The benchmarks are smaller in this regard. So, the the company we all talk about is HubSpot in this area and HubSpot came to a point in their journey where the inbound model, uh, as much as they probably wouldn't like to admit it, capped out and they, they needed to go outbound and they needed to build a bigger sales engine. In my mind, you need to think about can you own uh, a category yourself? Can you create a category for what you do and right now our product and, and this is first-hand experience, we've gone through a mm-hmm. big journey where we started as an e-signature platform and then we evolved into proposals and then I said, no, no, we're not proposals either, we're sales enablement platform. Uh, now we're moving into this uh, deal, deal room area or virtual sales room because we want to be a place where people come to and facilitate all those back and forth. So, right now, if you look up digital sales rooms, there there isn't really a category for it yet and it's not really talked about much. So, I think you should take a, 
a, a page out of many of the great leaders and try and build some sort of category that you can own and dominate. So, people are talking about uh, a new trend and then your name is the first one that appears in, in Google when they're doing so. Um, then we're talking about zero to 20 million. Uh, the second step is inv- investing in zero cost uh, growth strategies as much as possible as early as possible uh, because if you're capital dependent uh, for uh, success early on, that's going to be a tough road. You'll always be need to needing to raise money. Uh, so, instead, it's great when you can have some free plays that print money and I, I've done some really good things with email campaigns that seem to work uh, and get and get 6 to 10% response rates, right? So, when you can find a little bit of a sil- silver bullet, um, that's helpful on that journey. The third thing and, and you'll hear this all the time but it's so important is people and you need to find a way to keep people infused into your business. I've been at this place now uh, over four years and that's because they made me a partner in the business uh, very early on. So, in that case, if you're going to work for somewhere or trying to build a winning organization, give away part of your company. It's a necessity to do so uh, and and that way you create people that are brand loyal and incentivize them not to leave and incentivize them more to stay and accrue further time. So, too, too often we forget about our employees who've done two or three good years and then we lose them to a bigger company. We can't allow that to happen. Awesome, man. Well, I'm going to do a couple quick fire questions because you, you're not going to cover off the ball today. So, way, way to show up strong on a, on a Friday, an Aussie Friday for you right now. 7 a.m. I'm so, not a 7 a.m. guy, but I um I was scared. I, I went to bed super late for this about 3.30 <laughs> again. But I was, I, I, you can never push these podcasts. I, I love coming on. And again, if you're listening to this, you're 10 steps ahead of everyone else who's not doing any self-education. So I got a fun stat to add, dude. That, that's that's awesome. Um, I heard that on average, net worth of people that listen to podcasts is one hundred twenty thousand dollars plus. Yeah. It's like one of the strongest indicators of like highly educated buyers. So for you, the listener, thank you for listening. Um, but a couple quick questions for you, DW, before we wrap things up, man. Uh, okay, what what's your favorite book? Favorite sales book is "To Sell Is Human." Uh, Favorite book, favorite book ever is Harry Potter for sure. And I have so much Harry <laughs> Potter merchandise uh, that I give my sales teams as well. I try to make everyone feel the magic of sales in some way. <laughs> well, yeah, for for those of you listening too that are, are not seeing DW like I am, he's wearing a robe right now and he's got those weird Harry Potter glasses on too. No, I'm just messing with you. Oh, not that, I, right, I so actually we... <laughs> do have that on. Thank you for describing it. <laughs> So, we got that. All right, man. What advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Uh, 20-year-old self is you'll have one moment that will change your life and you'll feel it. Don't be afraid and just go with it and give all that you can. And so, for instance, my one was I was lucky enough to go on the Ellen show a couple of times and at that time, I felt I didn't deserve it or I couldn't really understand what fame was. Uh, and I might have pushed back a little bit on that journey and and being overwhelmed. So, 
for all of us in our everyday lives, there'll, there'll be a Hollywood moment or a career moment where just the rivers of, of success and destiny start to flow and you need to get on that boat and follow it rather than trying to fight the tide and, and get out. And to me, I think uh, one, one good way for all the sellers uh, listening here is that you'll probably get an opportunity to work overseas or to move locations. And whenever that opportunity comes up, even if you have a family, you should probably say yes and pack up and try and enjoy that next opportunity because, yeah, if you fight it uh, back to the 20-year-old self, you'll have 10 less experiences than the one you thought you missed. That's absolutely awesome, man. You are wise beyond your years. So, where can people find you? Where can they learn more about you? I know you write a lot on LinkedIn and give daily tips. So, where do you want people to connect with you if they want to learn more about GetAccept or you? Um, where would be the best way to find you, connect with you, see your content? Yeah. So, if Gollum has his cave, uh, my cave is LinkedIn. So, I'm always on that thing. Uh, so, if you find me, D-A-I-L-I-U-S, D-A-I-L-I-U-S, sales tips, uh, you'll, you'll come across something of mine. Um, and I think it's very important to... Uh, engage via the comments and I'll definitely find you uh, uh, even if it's not the same day at some time uh, as I emerge from that cave. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, it was really great having you on the show. It was so much fun. Uh, I love I love what you're laying down. I love the direction that you're headed and, and where you've been in the past, man. Some really cool stories that you had. So, thanks for being on the show, man. Thanks, everyone. And remember that... Uh, there's always a next deal. So, celebrate and then get on to that next opportunity. Lovely to meet you all. Thank you for spending the time with me today. I know that time is one of the most valuable resources. So, I truly honor and appreciate you coming along this journey with me. One of the things that I want to ask you is if you really truly enjoyed this and know someone that this can make an impact on, please share this episode with them. If you're on a journey for financial and lifestyle freedom, it is always exponentially better if we're building a tribe with like-minded people who are on the same journey. In addition, I have an amazing PDF for you that could be career changing in terms of the content. Essentially what it is are the top 10 questions that every big customer is asking behind closed doors that no one is telling you about. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. So check it out. It's my free gift for you for being a part of this launch and being a part of this journey with me. And I hope to see you soon.